When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Flush. I'm your host, Heva, and it is day one of my period and we're going to have a fun-ass episode. Um, How these things are related to each other, I don't know, but (laughs) I think it's going to happen. I don't know. I'm actually really out of it. Um, I had a colonic yesterday. Oh my God, time. So if you've been listening for a while, you know that I have been on this magnesium taper journey. And actually that journey is technically complete because I took my last one last night. So I have no more left. But anyway, the past couple of weeks were really not great. I've been really bloated, really distended, just like having a really hard time eliminating. And I got a colonic with this man who is considered to be like the father of colonics. Like he's like the colonic dude. And I finally got in. It was like so hard to get an appointment. And I finally got in. And when I tell you, I showed up to his place looking like I was six months pregnant and I left with a flat stomach. It was absolutely life-changing. I was so irritable before I went in. And I thought it was going to be an absolute disaster. It went like shockingly well, all things considered. And he even had kind of a backup plan in place in case things were really, really difficult. But it ended up not being that bad. And he said it's really because of my diet. And he complimented me a lot. And you know what? Like we do not pay enough attention to how amazing compliments are like (laughs) the way that I just will love anyone who compliments me and it's so easy to do like like what like what does it even mean to be told that you're doing a great job at a colonic like is there a way to be bad at that like is there like I don't even know how you're good at that you're really just laying there he's doing all the work (laughs) nevertheless I'm like oh my god like I'm I was so good I did such a good job (laughs) like why are we not just running around complimenting people 24-7? Like, I'm telling you, if you want to be liked, no. But then if you give insincere compliments, it doesn't land well. Anyway, um, let's get this ship rolling because a bitch is tired. And yeah, I've, I've had a hell of a two weeks and I'm really going to get deeper into it soon because it all really connects with the nervous system work that I've been doing. And it's amazing how much I've been able to pull myself out because of that nervous system work. And I'm so fucking passionate about it. Anyway, after the colonic, I felt and quite frankly looked like an entirely different person. And it was mind blowing to me. And one thing 
That was really shocking for me. I've never recorded this show hungover before, but I am kind of today because I ended up going out last night and I never want to go out. Like I never want to leave the house. I never want to do anything. Like I just never have any fucking interest in doing anything social and leaving the house and any of these things. And on top of that, I never go out the night before recording the show because I like to be on as much as possible for the show. But my boyfriend, Ozzy, one of his like close friends from the very beginning of his career, when he was like 18 and had just started working for this TV channel in Australia, she was in town with her partner and it was really going to be our last opportunity to see them. And so he was definitely going to go. And I was like, fantastic. I like originally was like, I can't wait to have a night alone. But then after the colonic, I just felt so light and good. And Ozzy's about to leave town. And I was like, I should go out and have fun. And it's it's just so unlike me. I'm constantly finding excuses to not go out and socialize. And last night, I had every excuse in the book. I had the podcast. I had, My dog wasn't feeling great. I had... um you know, my period was about to start. I just had a colonic. I've like all, I had so much work. Like I had all of these perfect excuses for not going out. And yet I went out because I was just fucking happy. And it's, I think that we don't like, it was this big aha moment for me where I was like, holy shit. Like what goes on with our guts affects everything so much. And I mean, it really, really does. And when you think about it, like serotonin, one of the happy chemicals in our brains is produced in your gut. And if you're constipated, you can't really produce it. Like you need a clean gut to be able to do it. Um, Like if your system's really backed up, you're going to have so many issues. Like it's such a neurochemical thing. Like it's, it's scientific. It's not woo woo, but, um, but yeah, I forget where I was going with this. (laughs) You know, another thing I've been doing lately, I've been shopping a ton, like so much fucking shopping lately. And I know it's because I, I've been looking for the dopamine boost because like I said, I've been having a really rough past few weeks. Like there's just been a lot going on. I'll get into it later. But um, but I've been just searching for the dopamine boost that I get from ordering shit. And so, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this. I guess maybe if you're doing a lot of online shopping, you might have depression. So <laughs> something to look into. <laughs> no, but it really, you know, we're all kind of dopamine addicts to a certain extent. And I don't know, I've been doing some research on dopamine detox and maybe we should all do a dopamine detox together or something. I don't know. Anyway, when I was out last night, I just have this one story um, and it's like not a huge deal, but (laughs) just a reminder. So we're out and this chick spills her drink on my jacket, like on my blazer. And listen, it wasn't a big deal, but the drink did have, it was like a frozen slushy thing with dairy in it and I don't consume dairy so like it's not really my favorite thing to be around like it just it like conceptually kind of grosses me out um plus like you know it's a nice blazer like I prefer people not spill shit on it but it's not a huge deal like I'll take it to the dry cleaners it'll be fine you know it's not the end of the world but and I didn't realize this at the time but like she literally didn't even apologize. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And she's like kind of laughing about it. And I was like, what 
the fuck? Now, later I put together that I don't think she realized it was my jacket. Like, I think she thought it was someone else's blazer, just like some rando's blazer. And so, like, it's uh, like how you handle it is completely different. And that's completely justified. But, like, obviously, like, for me, just experiencing it, knowing it was my blazer, not realizing that she didn't know it was my blazer and seeing her laugh and not apologize, I was like, literally about to fucking lose it like what like are you like diseased like were you raised by a pack of wolves in the bush like what the fuck is wrong with you but then when she realized it was mine then she did a complete 180 she apologized like 400 times and I was like girl it's fine it's fine it's fine I'm gonna take it to the dry and then she starts crying so then I have to like sit there and console her over her (laughs) smelling shit on my jacket which listen it's fine all of it is fine and at the end of the day like she's so drunk like it was actually like kind of cute and endearing and like she didn't fully understand what was happening so it's not a big deal but it did remind me of two things number one if you fuck up apologize just apologize apologize immediately it is so disarming like it the worst thing you can do is not apologize oh my god one time when we were in high school I um I would have like kind of parties in the basement my parents were kind of chill about it now did I tell them we were drinking no um but I don't think we were drinking no there's no way we were drinking at this incident or at least we weren't drinking yet because I know because I moved a car and there's no way I would have done that. So basically, my parents have a big driveway that has like a loop in the front. But then like the family, we park the cars around the back of the house. And so when people come, it's like customary to just park in the loop, you know. But like this one girl who, by the way, I fucking hate, not only because of this incident, but like she was just one of those girls, you know, like the people who were like kind of in your group, but like you didn't fucking like, like this girl had the most shit ass personality for so many reasons, like in so many ways. I haven't spoken to her in years, but like, fuck, she was so, she was just so off putting, like everything about her was so off putting. Anyway, so she, so there was a girl who was coming and, um, I knew she had to leave early. This was a girl's only thing, by the way. And I knew she had to leave early. So I was like, why don't you park your car over with um, the family cars? And that way, like, you'll be able to get out. Now, this other girl, the off-putting girl, parked her car behind my car, which I thought was fucking weird that she, like, parked her car, like, where my mom parks her car, you know? Like, bitch, you're not, like, family. (laughs) Like, you don't get to park your car here. Anyway, whatever. And... So we're later into the, uh, at some point when the other girl wanted to leave. And so I don't know, maybe I had to move my car too. I'm not entirely sure how this went down, but it was pitch black uh, and I had an SUV and the bitch girl had a sedan and she was parked behind my car and it was like a black car. So I didn't even see that she was parked behind my car. Um, and I wasn't expecting anyone to be parked behind my car because it's a fucking weird place to park your car. Like, I don't know how else to say that. It's so weird when you don't really know someone to start like acting like you're a part of their family, but whatever. Um, So I go to move my car and like I was always like a very, very, very responsible driver, like to a fault responsible driver. Like a big part of why I don't drive anymore is because I was always like 
too timid in driving and it was like annoying for people. So when I go to move my car, I'm not even like pressing on the gas, I don't think. Like all I was doing was moving my foot off of the brake and I was going in reverse and I felt a tap. So I immediately stopped. Um, you know, turn the car off. And sure enough, this girl, girl's car was behind me and I tapped into it. There was like not even a bump. It was not a big deal. Um, so I sent the other girl down. I was like, yo, can you tell her that I accidentally bumped her car and also to like come fucking move her car? Like, why did she even park it here? And um, the girl goes down to tell her and she like, I guess like her personality, like when she um feels uncomfortable she starts giggling so she basically starts like giggling and she's like we hit your car can you come move it and I think she didn't I don't know I wasn't there I wasn't there but essentially what happened was that girl didn't come up to move her car we're like sitting around upstairs waiting for her for like 30 minutes and she's just bitching nonstop downstairs about how we hit our car and like how pissed she is. Um, eventually she did come and move it. And like, so then that girl left and then she kept going on. She's like, and she didn't even apologize. Now I wasn't there. I don't know if she did apologize or not. Um, obviously she should have led with a fucking apology, even though her car was completely fine. You still apologize when you hit someone's car. And I don't think she did it the way I remember it. I think I did it. So like maybe it shouldn't have been her apologizing. Obviously, as soon as I saw her, I started profusely apologizing, but like still just because she was kind of involved, I think she should have led with an apology. It probably would have gone over better. Then again, the recipient was such a fucking bitch. Who knows? Um, anyway, this is my long winded way of saying like, make sure you apologize to people but then also don't over apologize because it's not the responsibility of the person that you've burdened or harmed to assuage your anxiety and fears over the way that you fucked up like that's just not their responsibility and to put that on them is unreasonable now again in this situation like she was so drunk that it like it doesn't matter it was honestly like cute but I remember at some point I was like why am I having to comfort you over you fucking up my jacket? Like, this just doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like I should be hugging and petting you right now. Like, it just doesn't feel right. Again, um, the, the extenuating circumstances because she was so, so, so drunk. But just like, don't be that person either. Like, you really have to, if you're going to apologize, which you always should apologize if you fucked up in any way, you always should apologize. You should apologize. You should like state how you're going to make it right if the situation calls for it or how you're going to do things differently in the future. And then you need to shut the fuck up and let the person that you apologize to actually forgive you when they're ready to forgive you. And I know living with that anxiety, like being in that anxiety of like, I fucked up and I don't, this person might be mad at me. And like, I know that anxiety is overwhelming and it doesn't feel good. No one fucking likes it. No one's out here being like, oh, I love it when I fuck up. And then I don't know where I stand with someone. No, everyone hates it. But the thing is, you're just going to have to sit with that discomfort. And I know that's easier said than done, especially if you if you have anxious attachment. Like, I think one of the worst feelings in the world when you're, you know, dating around and stuff is when you kind of like 
go crazy on a dude and I mean I don't want to like make it gender or whatever but it is most common for women to do this to guys but you know those nights you're out drinking and then you call him or you text him and it starts fine but then you kind of end up really going crazy and like really just acting like an absolute lunatic and then you wake up and you're like holy shit why did I call him 13 times why did I block him why did I yell at him why did I say this why did I say that and it's just a pit in your stomach kind of feeling so then you fucking apologize and then let's say they're like oh it's okay or like they don't really say anything and you're like oh fuck and then you have to you have to just live with that anxiety like there is like all you can do in that situation be like I'm so sorry I was so drunk I fucked up boom leave it that's it say nothing else if there's any salvage that's going to come from that situation you have to wait for that person to actually be okay and move on if you keep saying more it's going to make you look more crazy and again it's not their responsibility to assuage your anxieties in that situation. It just isn't. Instead, go start doing the inner work. Um, Okay, let's move along. Let's do our word of the week. Okay, I have kind of a simple word for this week, um, and it's probably one that you already know and that you may or may not use. Um, And like, it's one that you, like, I'm sure you know the definition, but I like doing these words because sometimes even words that we know, like if if you were to really think about it, you're like, wait, I wouldn't actually know how to define it. Or it's good. Or it's a good reminder to use it because it's a pretty sick word. It's precarious, which means not securely held or in position, dangerously likely to fall or collapse like a precarious ladder or dependent on chance, uncertain. He made a precarious living as a painter. Um, I think that this is, you know, one that you could use for your relationship status if you're in a relationship where you're fucking up a lot or there's a lot of fighting. It's kind of a precarious relationship. Our relationship status is precarious. Does that work? I don't know. Someone let me know. Um, Okay, let's move right along into our topic of the day. And this week we are talking about the ick. How fun, how exciting. Okay, the ick is a feeling of repulsion that suddenly comes on in a romantic encounter relationship or other interpersonal relationship. It could happen right away. It could happen a few days in. It could happen a few weeks in. It could happen a few months in, but it generally would not happen more than like a couple months in, you know? Um, So it is kind of a quicker onset type of thing. Now, (laughs) the ick, when I say the ick, I'm specifically referring to when you get the ick in an interpersonal relationship. So like a sudden, sudden feeling of repulsion in an interpersonal relationship. I don't just mean repulsion by anything. I put a question box um, in my stories last week that was like, oh, what gives you the ick? <laughs> and my favorite submission was... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> my favorite submission was from one of my friends from law school. He wrote, spiders, TBH, all insects. <laughs> and although I love knowing that he is repulsed by insects... <laughs> That's not quite what I meant. 
And here's the thing with the ick. I think that we really underestimate how much of our reality is happening because of our unconscious thoughts and our subconscious mind. And really, like so much of our relationships are happening around unconscious communication. And the point of today's episode is to bring awareness to this unconscious reaction so that you know how to interpret it and you know how to handle it. Now, before I really get into it, I want to talk about the history of the term because I thought this was interesting because. Here's the thing, every woman out there is the very first time they heard the word the ick, they knew exactly what the fuck it meant. Like no one needed any clarification. The instant I heard the word the ick, I was like, oh, that's the feeling I've had ever since I was six years old and I've never known what word to put on it. Whereas men seem to be highly confused by the term as exemplified by the person who said spiders give him the ick. And like clearly there's a gender thing here. But wouldn't you agree that we're hearing the word so much more than ever before? But it's actually not that new. Allegedly, the term was coined in Ally McBeal, which for younger listeners, there was this TV show on TV in the 90s, I want to say. I've never seen it with um, Calista Flockhart. And um, I think I think it was like a law office, law firm type show, um, Ally McBeal. Isn't Ally McBeal married to Harrison Ford? Is she still married to, are they still together? They have a kind of shocking age gap. Um, anyway, allegedly, allegedly it was um, coined in Ally McBeal when she tried to date the biscuit. I don't know what this means. I've never seen the show. Um, I hear it was really good, though. There was this whole thing. There was, like, this, like, dancing baby thing in Ally McBeal, um, which was kind of like a thing in the 90s. I don't know. I really was kind of too young to fully understand all this. Anyway, and then the ick came back in Sex in the City in Season 6, Episode 14. Um, the episode is called The Ick Factor. And the summary of the episode from IMDb, I'm just going to read it to you is Miranda and Steven exchange good intentions and she proposes to him instantly sealed with a kiss. The girls wonder what to buy her not too domestic, etc. Um, Carrie admires Alexander's piano playing and poetry reading, but isn't really comfortable with such old fashioned romancing. However, a dress from his personal friend, Oscar De La Renta sends her glowing sets her glowing. Charlotte and Harry enjoy a romantic French restaurant. By the way, I know I pronounced that wrong. Oscar de la Renta. De la Renta, right? I said it weird before. Um, I just want to acknowledge that I knew I was like mincing my words, but it is what it is. Um, Charlotte and Harry enjoy a romantic French restaurant, but the digestion proves a waking nightmare. Samantha feels after seeing her photos in a magazine report on Smith, she may need she may need bigger but still tasteful breasts. Alas, the plastic surgeon discovers a lump which proves to be a cancer tumor. Okay, kind of intense episode, but it seems like Carrie was getting the ick with Alexander, which like clearly she didn't get the ick enough because that bitch went way too far with that man and he was so... Ugh, so icky. Like, in, in terms of the ick, I can hardly think of someone who gives me the ick more than that douchebag did. Anyway, 
in modern day, apparently the term got popularized through the reality show Love Island, which, by the way, I've never watched. And obviously, I know people are obsessed with it. Should I watch it? Like, should, should I watch it and or should I watch it and like analyze it a little? Not necessarily on the podcast. I'd probably do it on TikTok because like I don't think everyone cares to hear me analyze Love Island. But I don't know when the next season starts. When is the next season starting? Hasn't it started actually? I don't fucking know. Uh, tell me what to do, guys. Okay, moving right along. So... I have very vivid memories of the ick. I mean, I can't remember every time I felt the ick, but I think this is the second time in my life that I felt the ick, at least that I can really remember vividly. And this one was really intense for me. And I actually had a really hard time talking about it for a really long time. And I remember like the day I finally talked about it in therapy. So my senior year in high school, I dated this guy who was like a year older. He was going to the local community college. He was a Persian guy. I was like very heavy in the Persian scene when I was in high school. And um, and so like I'd really known him for a few years. Like I'd see him around whatever. We had mutual friends. But then we went to the same gym. So we kind of started to get closer during my senior year and just like hanging out at the gym. And after workouts, we'd like get in the jacuzzi at the gym together and whatnot. So that's how we really actually started hanging out is very natural. Um, and then we started dating and um, like really a week into us actually being a couple, I think, um, was Valentine's Day. And so his mom was constantly out of town. And so he's like, do you want to come over on Valentine's Day? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I just expected to be like hanging out at his place. Like I'd go over after school all the time and, you know, his mom wasn't there. So we'd have sex, like whatever. Um, but like I didn't like I, I didn't think it was going to be a big deal. And I walked into his house. He was wearing a suit, a suit, okay? He was 18, I was 17. I was wearing jeans. I came probably straight from high school, you know? Um, There was a playlist on playing, like, romantic music. There were rose rose petals everywhere and roses, and he got me a -A Build-A-Bear. Wait, I also got him a -A Build-A-Bear, and you know what's fucking weird? His best friend's girlfriend. So like I was friends with her too. And I was like, hey, what should I get this dude for Valentine? Like, do I have to get him anything? And she's like, oh, you should get him a -A Build-A-Bear. And I was like, okay. So I got him a -A Build-A-Bear. And he asked her what to get me. And she also told him to get me a -A Build-A-Bear. How fucking weird is that? Like if you, like, let's say if two people in a couple separately come to you for advice on what to get each other, would you tell them to get each other the same thing? Like, I don't know. I think that's really fucking weird, but she really was not the brightest girl out there. So God, I am just mean today. Okay. Um, Oh, also, I didn't know this at the time. So like this didn't give me the ick at the time. But if I had known this at the time, I think I would have like left and driven my car into something because I think I was having like heart palpitations. But his build aware had a thing inside it, like a, 
you know how like you could put do you guys know what Build-A-Bear is like does it still exist <laughs> um, there's a store at the mall where you could literally build a bear so you make custom teddy bears it was actually really cute like you pick a teddy bear base and you get it dressed etc I don't remember all the details um but you could put like a like a thing inside it that plays something you know like those bears where like you push a certain part of it and it says something so his had a thing inside it that said I love you and note we had been together for like a week like we did not say I love you to each other we did not love each other like it's so fucking weird to have put that inside of that bear anyway so I got there and it's like it's like cheesy romance there's candles there's roses he's in a suit there's like cheesy 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 ass romantic music playing and I was like oh I I mean I didn't have the vocabulary for it I was just like oh I'm having a full-on panic attack of course now I know I had the fucking ick now really the reason why I had the ick in that situation was because I wasn't ready to be in that type of relationship. Like I like I just wanted like a boyfriend that I could hang out with after school and we went to the same parties and sometimes we drink together, sometimes we wouldn't and like we'd have sex and like, you know, hang out with our friends and shit like that. Like I was not into like I still am not into kind of traditional romance like I'm still not into like rose petals and like it just like the forced romance element of it I mean this motherfucker put on a suit like that was not like how he dressed normally it was so it was ugh. but like yeah that element of it and I think a really common source of feeling the ick I mean the broad category really is like inner child wounds or like unresolved trauma and that includes not being quite ready for a relationship whether that's because you know you grew up in kind of a stricter household and you kind of subconsciously still have the programming that there's something wrong with love and sex and relationship and so you find yourself getting the ick a lot in dating situations because you still have that programming within you and you're not like you know like the part of you has that repulsion because subconsciously you're afraid that if you settle down with someone that like your family will disapprove or something like that so you just find yourself getting the ick in those situations or whether it's like your own kind of avoidant tendencies or maybe not even avoidant tendencies maybe you're just like literally not ready so you just find yourself repulsed as relationships gear up or there are times where there's something specific that happens that really triggers this piece of unresolved trauma. And this actually came up with me with Ozzy. It was so interesting. We'd been together for well over a year at this point and or no, not well over a year, just about a year, just yeah, just about a year. So it was in 2022 it was after we came back from Australia. Well, he came back a little bit later than me. But basically, be- like before he before he went to Australia, he had given up the lease on his apartment in New York. And so when he was coming back from Australia, he like literally didn't have an apartment. And so he was like, hey, like, could I stay with you for a couple of weeks while I figure out like what I'm going to do? And I was like, yeah, sure. So he was staying with me and um, 
And then we ended up deciding to actually move in together. I think it was like a nice little trial period. And we were like, this is fun. Like, it makes no sense to pay two rents. Like, let's just like live together, whatever. But before we had made that decision, when he was just staying with me, he like wasn't paying rent because he was like staying with me for a few days, essentially, you know? And so that's all well and good, but it triggered something in me where I realized I had a lot of unresolved trauma around feeling like I'd been taken advantage of in the past in relationships, including romantic relationships, but not limited to romantic relationships. I mean, specifically, you know, when I was 22, I dated this guy who was on house arrest and I let him move in with me because I'm a fucking idiot. Um, But no, because I had like newly gotten a dog and he was on house arrest so he could like watch her all the time. And that was kind of the plan when I got the dog. But the thing is, he lived so far away from me that it was like really impractical to get her back and forth between our places and me having a full time job and he was having apartment issues. So we're like, let's move in together. But like he wasn't paying rent and he was definitely like not like he was definitely just using me for a free place to live. I mean, I do think on some level he loved me or whatever, but like I was such an idiot and such a fucking doormat in dating back then. And I have so much unresolved trauma from that time period of my life, actually. Like, I constantly uncover more and more little wounds and stuff from that time. But I realized back, you know, in 2022... Okay, so, sorry, I'm doing a terrible job of telling this story. This is why I don't like to podcast on the first day of my period. And this is also why I don't like to podcast after drinking and why I generally never drink the day before podcasting. But say lovey, here we are. Don't know what the fuck say lovey means. Okay, let's move right along. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly focus pops or lolly mellow pops for kids. And for parents, try three new brainy chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Um, so in 2022, Ozzy's staying with me while he's figuring out what to do. And I start getting the ick towards him a little bit. And it was so unusual because I had spent the past like two years prior to that being obsessed with him, like wanting nothing more than for us to be together. You know, all of these things. Like I was so all in. And then all of a sudden it was like, kind of getting the ache and it made literally no sense to me. And I was like, oh my God, do I like not want to be with him anymore? And I did a lot of, um, like subconscious work around it, really using the tools that are now in the Blush Academy, specifically the NRPs, the neural uh, rewiring practices. And I realized, no, this situation is actually reminding me of when that (laughs) guy on house arrest lived with me. And I have this like fear of being taken advantage of for money that's coming up. And I did communicate that to him. Um, And then it wasn't like long after that, that we decided to actually move in together. And obviously like keep pays rent. So that whole thing went away. But that is really like my first broad category of why you might be experiencing the ick. It could be pointing to some kind of inner child wound, some kind of unresolved trauma or something like that. Um, also, wait, I have to tell you about the first time that I remember having the ick. I was in the fourth fucking grade. Now, when I was in Germany, I was in Germany at the time. I went to elementary school in Germany. Um, let me say Germany another six times in one sentence. Um, there were school dances all the time. Like we had like quarterly school dances. And so, I remember there was a school dance towards the end of the year. And in the fourth grade, there were, wait, was it the fourth? It must have been the fifth grade. Yeah, 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 it was the fifth grade. Okay, in the fifth grade, there were three new boys in our class, um, these three new American boys. Actually, one of them may have been Australian, which is interesting to look back on, although I was not interested in that one. But the two American boys were really, really cute. One was Drew, one was Garrett. Garrett was the guy that everyone had a crush on initially, but he wasn't really into anyone, so like we all kind of got over it. And Drew was also really cute. And so this was like kind of maybe towards the middle of the school year or something. There was a dance and Drew came up to me and he's like, hey, do you want to dance? And like, he's like, oh, all my friends are watching because like they all know that I like you or like whatever. I don't know. I don't remember how this went down. Anyway, God, this is like really hard for me to talk about. And I come off as like an absolute psycho in this story. I just want to remind you that I was 10 and that I had a very hard home life. Okay. Um, so we go to slow dance and the way that I had always been slow dancing was girls would put their arms around the guy's neck and the guy would put his arms around the girl's waist, right? That like, that was always the case. Now I go to slow dance with Drew and I start to put my arms around his neck, but he starts to put his arms around my neck like as though we're like fucking wrestling each other or some shit. And I freaked out because I was so like, I was like, oh my God, is this not how you do it? Like, is that how you do it? Like, am I doing it wrong? Like, do I not know how to do things? And it brought up all of these insecurities in myself. God, this next part is really hard to ex- not even explain, but just say out loud. So then I took his arm from my shoulder and I twisted it like until he was like 
in physical pain, guys. Like this is so fucked up. And it's really only because I got such extreme anxiety and like I just freaked the fuck out because I was like, oh my God, am I doing things wrong? Yada, yada, yada. Which brings me to the second possible reason why you're experiencing the ick and that is shadow. Something that someone is doing is triggering something that you have suppressed or repressed within yourself. And so for me in that situation, I was so terrified that I like didn't know how to behave socially, right? And this guy then did something outside of like social norms that I was aware of and it triggered that thing within me where I was afraid of my own social aptitude and aptitude inept but aptitude right I don't fucking know maybe that can be word of the week for next week anyway so if you're experiencing the ick it's possible that the trait that is giving you the ick is something like it points to something within yourself and I have a really good example of this so I have this friend Stacy who's who's dating this guy Mike and when like they they were all like great and stuff until the first time Mike got sick since when they were dating and the way he would like complain about like being sick like really gave Stacy the ick and then it kept going on and on like anytime he was like a little bit injured or he hurt himself or he just complained about a headache or like any little thing like it would really give her the ick and we really had to work on this and unpack it together and finally figured out that it was triggering this hypochondriac fear that Stacy had within herself because like she would say to me like oh it just like really gives me the ick how he like keeps getting sick or he's always complaining about something being wrong or like blah 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 but here's the thing Stacy is like that too Stacy is always getting sick sick Stacy is always complaining Stacy like just has precarious health conditions you know um And I think she didn't realize how often she would be sick, how often she complains, and in general, how she would find ways to be in the center of attention and often would use health and things like that to be in the center of attention. So when she saw someone else do it, that mirror held up to her, gave her the ick because it was a trait that she hated and therefore like couldn't even see in herself. And a little bit of backstory, Stacy's mom is like maybe a bit of a hypochondriac. I'm not entirely sure, but like she kind of has like hypochondriac tendencies. Although do we say that women are hypochondriacs anymore? Because I really think that a lot of what we've considered to be hypochondriac-like tendencies in women has actually been because medicine has so severely favored men over women. And so there, there'd be a lot of situations where symptoms of the same condition present differently in men and women and women just weren't being diagnosed like there was a whole thing where like all these women were being sent away from the hospital when they were presenting with symptoms that like are common symptoms of a heart attack in women but they're different from symptoms of heart attack in men and med school really only teaches like the symptoms in men so these doctors weren't catching that these women were having heart attacks and instead thought that they were like you know being hysterical or whatever, like being hypochondriac. So, and and it wasn't being hypochondriac. I think they specifically were telling them that they're having like panic and anxiety, but they were literally having heart attacks. So 
I do wonder how much of what we consider to be hypochondria is actually because medicine is taught wrong and we are not actually teaching women symptoms. So like maybe these women really are like suffering from something and we're like completely gaslighting them. I don't know. Um, anyway, but Stacy's mom had some, I don't know, maybe hypochondriac like tendencies, but like she was definitely sick a lot. Like there was definitely stuff that was going on with her and she was like always complaining and stuff. And I think that Stacy hated it so much in her mom, but nevertheless, she started doing it, which makes sense because kids learn by imitating the people around them, specifically their parents. So whether we like it or not, we inherit so many of our parents' traits just because like kids learn via modeling. And so Stacy would do it all the time, but because she had seen it in her mom and hated it so much in her mom, she wasn't even conscious or aware of how much she was doing it. But then when her partner did it and it really held up a mirror to her own behavior, it gave her the ick. Now, the third and final reason why you might be experiencing the ick, and I do think this is actually, unfortunately, the most common one, is that you're just not into it. And honestly, I have like hundreds, if not thousands of stories about when I've had the ick when I just wasn't into it. Like it's happened to me all the time. It happened to me with the German constantly. Like I had the ick so badly when I was dating the German that I completely lost all sex drive. Like it was the first time where I just had literally no, like I wasn't masturbating. Like I just, like my body was just, I had the ick so bad that I was repulsed by the entire concept of sex. Like it was just, Ugh. Um, God, I even remember like there was this one day where we, we had a really nice day. We did kind of all my favorite things. We walked around a ton. It was perfect weather. It was sunshine. It was September, like the perfect month in New York. Um, we walked all over the city. We laughed, whatever. And then I remember that night when I was at home, I just like had this full body feeling of repulsion and disgust around being around him, like him as a person, myself for being around him. And I kept trying to convince myself, I was like, oh, maybe I just feel like this because I have anxious attachment and I'm used to dating guys who have avoidant attachment. But like, this is maybe what it just feels like when it's secure. And like, maybe if you're not trauma bonded, like it's not supposed to feel as intense, blah, 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 blah. But like, no, you really shouldn't be like repulsed. (laughs) by someone that you're dating. Okay, I mean, groundbreaking information here, but you really should not be repulsed. But I mean, I've had it so often. I remember when I was dating Egypt, when we were kind of like fooling around one time, but then I like stopped it before we had sex. He was like, oh my God, you're giving me blue balls. And him saying blue balls gave me the ick so fucking hard because I, it's just such like a misogynistic, sexist concept. Like it's not even a real thing. And like uh, everyone feels frustrated if they're aroused, but then don't complete. And to make it sound like it's this thing that like disproportionately affects men, it's just so not progressive. And one thing I've always wanted is a really progressive guy. So like there were a lot of examples with Egypt where he would say things that just would 
like he just sounded like a 13 year old or like the way men sounded back when we were 13, you know, because I do think the world has evolved and men are a lot more progressive now. I mean, not all of them, obviously, but a lot of them are. Um, By the way, what is this Russell Brand stuff? Uh, Like just talking about progressive men reminded me of Andrew Tate. I mean, the (laughs) role model for men who are not progressive. And then Andrew Tate reminded me of because I think Andrew like I think Russell Brand came out with something and Andrew Tate came out in support of it. And I think there's like some kind of documentary coming out about like victims of um, sexual assault, like saying that. Russell Brand attacked them or something. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck's going on. I just saw some glimmers about it this morning. Um, but yeah, I don't by by the time this airs, it might be a bigger story. I have no idea. Anyway, um, yeah, that would always oh my god, another when I dated the comedian, first of all, I had like massively the ick after the first time we had sex, which that really should have told me something, but whatever. I kept dating this person. Um but um but completely just lost my train of thought. Oh, oh, oh. I, I remember after we broke up, I was still like desperately clinging on to him for so long. And then one time we talked and I was like really getting close to accepting that we weren't going to get back together. But for a really long time, I really was like so convinced that we we're going to get back together and we we're like truly meant to be together. Yada, yada, yada. It's so cringe. But um, I remember we were talking and I was like, oh, are you seeing anyone? And he said, yeah. And then he said this line. And I, I remember that feeling like a punch in the gut that he was seeing someone. But then he said something. He's like, yeah, you know, I'm out of town right now. And I'm just like really trying to be good and like not hook up with other girls. And I was like, that gave me the ick so hard. Like I was like, wow, this guy who like barely even has a penis, like cannot control it so much that he's like out here being like oh I'm really trying to like not cheat on my girlfriend like he gave me the ick so hard and it was actually this really nice anchor because it was like the exact moment where I was like nah me and this dude are never ever 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 getting back together um no but like truly like that's what the moment that it fully clicked for me that like this is not the guy for me um so yeah I've experienced the ick a lot I've I've had the ick in um platonic friendships a lot too like I remember a few years ago I was really close to someone and we kind of like were working on some stuff together and from the get-go of like me getting closer with her and starting this project together, I really had the ick by her. And really it was like our morals and our values and our ethics were different. Like she, um, you know how some women like really lead with their sexuality, like really like it's like, it's like they only, they think they can only get attention or admiration for their looks and their sexuality. When in reality, this girl is like so funny, so smart, so interesting, had so many other things to bring to the table. But I guess like, I don't know, because of her own life experiences or whatever, like she always would lead with her sexuality. And I found it to be so off-putting. Um, she also like, I don't know, was not like the most progressive sometimes or like would say things that were like really, really ignorant or, you know, like kind of like put on a certain type of facade, but then do the opposite behind closed doors. Um, like she was always like really boisterous about how she 
um, is like a girl's girl and how she, you know, like, like female empowerment, this and that. But then like in her own private life was like living the exact opposite way, which is like, it's like, we all have moments of that, but like just the dissonance between the two, I don't know, really gave me the ick. Um, you know, it's funny. I think there's such a connection with anxious attachment and the ick also, like, I think people with anxious attachment are far more likely to experience the ick because we stay in situations past their expiration date. And I think the ick is really there to get you out of it. I mean, when you think about it, the ick really is disgust. Like that's the emotion that we're feeling. And disgust as an emotion is an evolutionary trait and it's there for protection. So think about it like you're repulsed by certain things because like they're poisonous and you're not supposed to eat them. Or, um, you know, I have something called trypophobia where I'm like not afraid of, like I think phobia is kind of a misnomer, but I'm like highly, highly repulsed and disturbed by things that have like bumps or spots. Um, It's different for different people. Like I think some people have issues with pancakes or honeycomb or things like that. Those don't bother me because they're really orderly, but like fungus and rashes and just like unorderly kind of like dots and bumps everywhere just like really fucking freaks me out. And I do a lot of research in it. And apparently like some people think that it's probably an evolutionary phobia that we developed this type of disgust to keep us away from things that were actually dangerous. Like if there's mold growing on a fruit, like we should be disgusted by that because that's actually dangerous to our health. And so disgust really is like this evolutionary protective type of emotion. And so sometimes in this situation, you get the ick to protect you from your own trauma that like you may or may not be ready to face. Or you might get the ick because you're needing protection from the parts of yourself that you're not willing to see. Or you get the ick because you need protection from someone who isn't aligned for you. I mean, you feel that disgust because they're actually not the person for you. Um, I do want to read some of the other submissions I got when I put the question box in my Instagram stories. Um so there was the spiders one, which is amazing. Uh, kissing with eyes open, totally. Uh, too much cologne. Totally. Oh my God. When I I actually lost my virginity to a guy who would use so much fucking cologne that when he like passed me in class, like if he like was trying to get to his seat, I could still smell his cologne like a full minute after he had passed. Guys, that is too much fucking cologne. In fact, I think we should stop wearing cologne. Like why the fuck are people still wearing cologne? Like it's not like it's not good for you. Like artificial fragrances are really bad for your health. We need to stop wearing cologne. We need to stop wearing perfume. Like it's affecting men's sperm count. It's affecting women's hormones. Like it's it's not the move. Um, anyway, uh, they opt for the children's chopsticks at sushi. Okay. I didn't know there was children's chopsticks at sushi. So I'm not actually entirely sure what this refers to. Um, too social and all opinions are safe and watches reality TV. All opinions are safe. What the fuck does that mean? I literally don't know what that means, but watches reality TV. 
go fuck yourself if that gives you the ick. Like, I would look internal as to why you're so bothered by that misogynistic asshole. Um, Too social, like, I don't know, whatever. I mean, it, like, it's one thing to say, like, you don't think you're aligned with someone who wants to be more social than you because like you want to stay home more but like it gives you the ick I don't know I think that's weird um not to like be mean here uh bad jokes fair dirty nails no ambition trying too hard to be funny these are great and then I want to read you my favorite one there are some icks I've had, but with the right person, I'd probably find endearing. And that is spot fucking on because sometimes we get the ick over something that it's really not over that thing. It's just our brains trying to find anything to cling on to because ultimately we don't actually want to be with this person, but we're staying with this person probably because we have some kind of scarcity and lack mindset over being able to find someone better. And so you're just finding any little thing to give you the disgust but really what you're feeling is disgust towards yourself because you're the one who's holding yourself hostage in this situation that you don't actually want to be in okay now what can you do about the ick number one you really want to regulate your nervous system and I know I keep talking about this but the thing is it really is the underlying thing for everything else because you can only work on trauma to the extent that your nervous system is regulated. So you can work on some more like minor traumas when you're less regulated, but the more deep and profound the trauma is, the more regulated you need to be to be able to work on it. And so if you want to know if your ick is coming from your own shit or if it's coming from you're actually not into this person, you're going to have to be able to access your traumas and you're not going to be able to access your traumas without a regulated nervous system. So that's step number one, always, always, always. And you know, we're going to be talking about that more in October. Um, the second step I would do, if you're in the blush Academy, do the neural rewiring practices specifically. I think the facing fears neural rewiring practice is really good for this one. And what you want to do is like pull apart, like the disgust part of you, like the ick part of you, like the part of you that is feeling that emotion of the ick and sit down with them in the NRP and have a conversation and see see what they say. Ask them why they're feeling this and see what they say. I mean, literally have a conversation with that part of you. Um, The other is like you really want to work through the anxious attachment because like I said, the ick is so common with anxious attachment because you abandon yourself so much in favor of connection and in favor of like not being alone and in favor of like you know, not facing the fear that you're not going to meet anyone else better, yada, yada, yada. So like you keep staying with these people, like all of the people I said I had the ick from um, in the last category where I wasn't that into it, like I was staying with because of my anxious attachment, because I wasn't willing to face um the possibility of like not meeting anyone else. And like, I was like, oh, well, I found someone who like seems great in all these ways. So like, you know, like, especially like the way I was talking about it with the German, I was like really bargaining and negotiating with myself. And I was like, okay, I am like literally repulsed by this human being, but maybe it's supposed to feel like this. Like That's fucking crazy. But that was my anxious attachment speaking because I didn't want to be single again. I didn't want to like go and search for someone else and someone better. Um, 
And then the last thing I would do is like start practicing making and keeping agreements with yourself because ultimately the ick really comes back to you. Regardless of the reason that you're feeling the ick, you're low-key kind of disgusted with yourself. And this is more straightforward in the second category, the shadow category, because that really like think about Stacy and Mike, right? Like what Stacy was disgusted in about Mike was actually what she's disgusted in about herself. So that's a very clear cut example. But like think of the third category. Like when you're feeling that it because you're not really into someone, ultimately like you're actually really disgusted with yourself because you're the one who is holding yourself hostage in this relationship that you don't actually want to be in. So a really good way to go forward is like start practicing honoring yourself and your needs with smaller and um, less high stakes situations. So for example, giving your body rest when it needs, uh, giving your body the nutrition that it needs, you know, doing the hard thing, maybe forcing yourself to work out when you don't want to work out. Um, really just like knowing where you are and kind of knowing how to bring yourself back to balance. And that looks different for different people. I mean, look at me. So I went out last night, which by all counts was like pretty irresponsible because I knew I had to record today and like I'm not as sharp and quick and on as I could be today. But I made the conscious decision to do something that's opposite to my usual patterning. I usually never fucking want to go out. I usually never want to do anything. I usually never want to be social. And so I knew for me the harder thing was to actually force myself to go out instead of like it would be so easy to be like my body needs rest. Like yeah bitch like my body always fucking needs rest right. But like, no, my body actually also needs to be social, needs to be around people, needs to have fun. And that's something that I never give myself because of, I don't know, fucking depression or whatever, Um, social anxiety, you name it. But really knowing where you are at, like for most people or not most people, but like a lot of people and like, let's say like a college aged kid, right? What they might need is the discipline to not go out on a Saturday night and instead stay in and like do the work or whatever. So really knowing yourself, knowing where you're at and giving your body what it needs, even if it's not necessarily what it wants in the short term. So really just practicing that, it becomes a muscle that you can build and you can strengthen and you can get better at. And then it becomes easier to honor your needs in these interpersonal relationships where it is much higher stakes. So it's a lot harder to walk away from someone when they like suddenly repulse you when like on paper they're so great and like everything is so great or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's that on the ick. And I am not forgetting to do our outro which is gratefuls. And a quick reminder, the reason that I do this is because practicing gratitude strengthens the part of your brain that looks for the good things. So it makes you a more optimistic and happy person. It's scientifically shown to increase your happiness levels. The only key is that you have to list new things that you're grateful for each time. You can't just keep repeating the same three things that you're grateful for because it's actually the process of your brain scanning for new things to be grateful for that, um, 
then strengthens that part of your brain. So I do invite you as I list the three things that I'm grateful for today or this week to list three things that you're grateful for today or this week and just make sure to not repeat them. And a trick with that is to get like really niche and specific because that's like, unless you're writing all of them down and can refer back, that's like a great way. Like I do this every night pretty much and I always try to stick to things I'm grateful for from that day and that really helps me not be repetitive. Okay, so number one, I'm obviously grateful that I was able to get in for that colonic yesterday. Like, I truly changed my life. I feel like an entirely new person. Um, I am grateful. Uh, let's see. Oh, oh, I'm grateful for these potatoes. There's these like specific types of potatoes that I really, really love. They're called pinto potatoes. And there's one farm at the farmer's market that sells them. And I fucking love them. Last night when we got home, I like made a bunch and they're just so fucking good. Um, and I'm grateful I was able to find really great heirloom tomatoes today. And I can't wait to slice into one later. Oh, I'm not a bonus one. I'm really grateful for figs. Um, I find like fresh figs and I just love figs season and I find fresh fakes to be really, really good for getting bowels moving. And interestingly, I don't have the same response to dried figs personally. Like I just find fresh fakes work way better for me. Um, okay. Those are my three gratefuls. I'm obviously every fucking week grateful for you guys, but I just, you know, that can be part of my three things because I'd say it every fucking week, but just know that it's there. I'm so grateful for you. And, um, yeah, uh, I'm grateful for everyone who leaves reviews for the podcast because it really, really helps the show. So if you could do that, that would be great. And if you need a bit of an extra incentive, I do a giveaway every month where at the end of the month, I randomly select a winner from the reviews for the show and the winner wins a free, membership to the Blush Academy, where you get access to all of the courses, including the attachment styles course, you get the neural rewiring practices, and you will get the upcoming nervous system course that is dropping mid-October. So that's something very exciting to look forward to. And I invite you to try to use our word of the week, precarious, in day-to-day life this week. And Tell me more about your aches, guys. Like, I want to know about them. Um, No, but seriously, thank you so much for listening. Love you guys. Rate, review, subscribe, share the episode with someone who has the ick or who's never had the ick and doesn't understand the ick or whatever. Okay, love you guys. Bye.